When it's time to seed grass, fertilize turf, or add a pop of color to your yard, Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered with unbeatable deals on lawn and garden essentials. Find value on everything you need in-store or online at farmandfleet.com. An industry that feeds the world is definitely an industry worth talking about. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. And what weather will we have in 2023 to try to grow all the crops that will feed the world? We're going to hear a little bit about that on a Tuesday morning. Hi, everybody. Farm Director Pam Yankee, glad you're along with us. I think everybody is focused in on the weather these days. A big storm that is targeting the Central Plains arrived last night and is already causing travel nightmares in states like Colorado, Nebraska. We'll be talking more about that with Stu Mucker, Ag Meteorologist. Even in our area, we are starting to uh, put out winter advisories and wind advisories, primarily for northern Illinois, but it'll get to Wisconsin. Our forecast for today is calling for some afternoon showers. Daytime highs today, right around 38 degrees. Tomorrow, a little bit more light rain, highs around 42. Thursday, 37 the expected high, with snow showers developing later in the afternoon on Thursday. And on Friday, cloudy skies, 34 degrees. A researcher on the UW-Madison campus paying attention to the weather patterns that farmers are worried about. Shane Hubbard is his name. We'll hear a little bit more on what he sees developing with our weather patterns long term. And, of course, it's a Tuesday. That means our friend John Heinberg, market advisor, Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend, will be stepping to the microphone as well. I look at this dairy cow, and again, it's the animal that I love. The things that this dairy cow can do and the way that she can produce milk, to me, there is no substitute for milk in the world. And to be able to keep cows and help cows produce that for people, to me, that's a privilege. I'm Dr. Bill Zimmer, founder of BioVet. Microbials and nutritional support, that's BioVet. Learn more at bio-vet.com. When the labor market is tight, agriculture can turn to education to build that next generation of workforce. I'm Stephanie Hoff from the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, and there are several examples of agribusinesses across the state and nation stepping up to provide to agriculture classrooms. Jill, the most recent news comes from your neck of the woods. A first-year teacher got a pretty significant amount of money. That's right, Stephanie. This is Jill Welke from the northern end of the world's longest barn. First-year teacher Amelia Hayden from the Osseo Fairchild School District. I call it, they had kind of a grant season this fall. They secured a smaller grant that came in earlier, but Amelia secured a $20,000 national grant from CHS. She's going to use that grant to revamp the greenhouse at the Osseo Fairchild School and get equipment for her biotechnology classes. Things are really looking up for that Osseo Fairchild FFA chapter. We found out that the Osseo Fairchild Agriculture Department was awarded a $20,000 grant from CHS Incorporated. And that grant was part of a program to celebrate the 75th anniversary of the CHS Foundation and their efforts to support agriculture education programs like mine. So where did you find it and what was the process to get you there? 
You know, it was definitely well publicized throughout the summer on all of the different channels that might reach agriculture teachers. And, you know, it was something that a lot of the teachers were buzzing about. It's a pretty big grant in terms of awards and financial support for agriculture education programs. So I think a lot of teachers across the state and across the country were really excited to see that grant opportunity come out. So a grant opportunity, but there must have been some paperwork to go behind it. Yes, so the application had a couple essays that you had to write about what you would use the grants for, some budgeting and specific itemized budgets, as well as you had to submit a video of yourself talking about your program and what kind of agriculture education efforts that grant would support. So once you got past the first level, what went on then? After that, they let us know whether we were selected as a finalist or not. So I found out that I was selected as one of the top three finalists in the country uh, at the beginning of November and was able to really get excited about that and already start sharing the word um, across the school district. And then here in December at the CHS annual meeting, they had videos of each of the top finalists teaching in our classrooms and had us give speeches on stage. And at the end of the night, then had the farmer owners of CHS vote on which agriculture program they would want to give the top prize to. So tell me what your grant is going to be used for. So one of the primary goals of the grant is to help fix up the greenhouse at the Osseo Fairchild School District. Right now, it's not really functional during any of the spring or summer months because its ventilation and cooling systems are broken. So we'd really love to update that. And then in addition, uh, when I got to the school district, I started a biotechnology class which is all about how we can use science and research to improve agriculture. You know, think of your genetically modified crops and making improvements in the food industry and supply chains. So that class is teaching students all about those technical skills. So that class is gonna give students the skills to work in an agriculture industry that has more and more technology and innovation happening in it. Now let's back up a little bit, take a look at that greenhouse. Once you're able to do the updates on it, what are your plans for that? One of the things that we haven't really done in the past is plant sales, which are common in a lot of FFA chapters across the state. So we'd love to bring plant sales back to our FFA chapter, be able to work with plants in our horticulture class, which is transcripted through Chippewa Valley Technical College, and give students more of those hands-on learning experiences in the greenhouse. And are you thinking some experiments that go along within the greenhouse? Yeah, and we'll definitely be partnering with different classes such as horticulture and biotechnology to hopefully be able to actually have students create genetic modifications in crops and then be able to test those plants in the greenhouse and see that concrete effect that science has in agriculture. And you already swirled back to the biotechnology on, now you talked about genetically modified, are you thinking of maybe even being able to plant some crops out and about and check out things? Yes, so that would definitely be a future step for our school district, would be finding a location where we can actually have some test plots and crops going in. So along with filling out the form, doing the video, you spent all day at a booth. Who came to you and what you had to explain there? So throughout the day, the three teachers that were finalists for the grant worked at a booth uh, with the CHS Foundation just kind of educating the farmers that were there about our projects and what we hope to do with the funds. And it was really fun being there because I had a lot of local Wisconsin folks where people from Alma Center, or Blair Taylor, or 
Tomo were coming up and talking to me and being able to really build those connections and see just what a small world agriculture is. So that was a really fun time to also be able to connect with a lot of farmers from the area. How would you encourage another ag teacher to reach out there for some of these grants? You know, applying for grants is one of those things that I've always found so beneficial, especially when you're building a program as a young teacher. And I think a lot of times it can be in intimidating, right, to, as a first-year teacher, you know, apply for this massive nationwide grant. But I think there's a lot to be said for championing the efforts of your students and thinking about the great kids you have in your program and the doors and opportunities that you can open up for them by applying for these different grants. And so I would encourage other ag teachers not to sell themselves short think about the different doors that they want to open up for students and then go for it to be able to really support their students and community to the fullest that they can. My approach to grants and scholarships is it's totally worth the time and effort. It pays you more per hour than you ever really imagine. Is that your take on it? I would definitely agree. And in fact, when I am filling out grants for my agriculture department, it feels a lot like filling out those scholarships for college that I did not too long ago. So it's definitely a lot of the same skills. And I tell my students that as they're filling out applications for FFA, that it'll help them later on for college scholarships and career grants. It's totally a skill worth developing in any individual. And that time is a great investment to the future. Well, there's no one more worth investing in than my students. So what does $20,000 worth of grants do for an agriculture program as an FFA advisor? As a FFA advisor and teacher, I just, I so clearly see where we're going in the next, you know, 20, 30 years and what Osseo Fairchild Agriculture Education and FFA will look like for our community. And I'll literally talk about it with students. Like today or during class, I literally referenced when I have your guys' kids in class, and so for me, it's really just a opportunity and a support to help us get to that vision and to help us continue impacting the community and growing leaders that are really going to support and invest in the future of agriculture for our community. So you're kind of looking at it like a base and place to get started. So getting started in the future, do you see more involvement in the community? 100%. We are definitely going to have so many more things that the agriculture department and FFA chapter are going to be bringing to the community and investing in and we're just really excited about everything that's happening for our students and FFA members here. Congratulations that's a great achievement bringing that money back and helping out with the education and that was Amelia Hayden Asu Fairchild Ag teacher and FFA advisor and I'm Joe Welke from the northern end of the world's longest barn here in Eau Claire. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. You kind of got to look at it from a Ziegler point of view and a customer point of view and get them into the piece of equipment that's going to benefit their operation. Well, we've really come to trust Ziegler, their support staff, their service trucks. We've had them working on our shop and a tractor till 2 in the morning to get it ready for the next day. When they come on your farm, they're going to stay until they get the job done. Ziegler's service allows us to be ready to run whenever we need to, rain or shine. For agriculture equipment, ZieglerAg.com. While you spent a lot more time around your home the last couple of years, you may have noticed a few things you'd like to have spruced up. Sign up for W.E. Davies Handyman Membership 
and they'll help you stay ahead of the maintenance and repairs with a professional result. Boycott putting things off. W.E. Davies & Sons Remodeling brings a fresh perspective to your building project. We're a local family business with services from handyman fixes to living space upgrades. For stunning, transformative results, visit wedaviesremodeling.com. You would never overpay for something if you knew you could get the product for much less elsewhere, much like you wouldn't pay $6 a gallon for gas if the pump down the street was charging the fair market price of $4, would you? So why pay more than MSRP on your next Chevy truck? Bergstrom Chevrolet is a local, family-owned company that values your dollar as much as you do, so you never pay above manufacturer's suggested retail price. And Bergstrom has the inventory to fill your fleet or fix you up with a truck that's going to pull your toys. So go ahead, shop around, and compare that final cost. If the guys down the street are blowing smoke up your tailpipe, jacking up the price on their Chevy Heavy trucks, stop by Bergstrom Chevrolet where you never get charged over MSRP. Roses are red, violets are blue, and you bet she'll be talking farming with you. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Well, and I'll tell you, there is a lot of red and blue colors on the radar this morning. Not necessarily right here in Wisconsin, but I'll tell you what, uh, you go farther west and uh, the weather system has really kicked her up a notch. Time to talk ag weather. Stu Muck, our ag meteorologist, along with us. I mean, literally, the United States is focused on weather this morning because this storm that's kind of developing looks like it's going to touch every region of the countryside california got nailed with what like seven inches of rain all at once and now that's kind of moved it's moved a little bit farther east and it's in the in plain states huh yeah yeah the rain oh boy that's good the rain (laughs) is in iowa didn't know that was going to happen the rain's in iowa and missouri and uh, the snow is in southwest south dakota western nebraska down into Colorado, there's some talk of those folks getting uh, upwards of 8 or even 12 inches of snow as they make their way through this morning and on through the day. <laughs> now you make me want to cough. <laughs> okay, one more time. That, that then. <laughs> we'll, we'll work with this now. All right. That low is going to move from Nebraska slowly, very slowly, east and northeastward into Iowa, even heading up into far southeast Minnesota and into Wisconsin as we make our way on toward later this week. It's going to mean rain, rain developing in Wisconsin through the afternoon uh, in western Wisconsin, probably 2 or 3 o'clock, and then every couple of hours it moves a little further east. So we all get some rain as we head through tonight and expect to have that rain around for tomorrow morning as well. Some cold air wraps around in behind all of that, and our rain, oh, toward Wednesday night, uh, even late tonight, could mix with a few snowflakes, rain more likely Wednesday. Could be a little bit of that snow mixing in Wednesday night then and lasting into the day Thursday. Oh, a couple of sloppy wet inches, especially at Mauston and La Crosse are what I expect. But for most of us, it's just talking about some rain and rain amounts that everything I've been seeing could push up to an inch or more. Uh, we could have some very wet conditions here as we make our way on through midweek and on toward Thursday. 
quite a bit of rainfall upwards to a, a half to an inch and a half, certainly not out of the question. The cold air will build in behind this, not that it's all going to turn to ice, but anywhere where water is puddled out in the yard and the, the freestall yard outside the barn, uh, the yard of your house hitting the barn, you may find those icy patches then as we look toward uh, especially Friday night, Saturday, Sunday. That's when daytime temps stay below freezing, back down at that colder than normal level. And that's when that uh, wintry look returns to the area. Should mention there is, of course, a winter weather advisory going in effect tonight, 6 p.m. till 6 a.m., not all that far away. I mean, we're looking at uh, Washera County and Wood and Portage County, Stevens Point, that area, up to Clark County, Marathon County as well, and still right over to Jackson County, not too far from La Crosse, under that winter weather advisory tonight. Being that far north and with the cold air nearby, they could be in line for more of a rain-snow mix with even a little freezing precipitation for tonight that could make things a little bit dicey as they look on toward tomorrow morning. I'll take a break, try and clear up my throat and have forecast details right after this. My name is Cameron Olson, owner of Olson Solar Energy. It seems like it never fails. I get a customer turned online and their solar is producing. And sure enough, that next month I get a text or an email from that customer or they call into the office even or even come in. They want to show us their bill and say, look, zero dollars. It's always super exciting to be able to be part of that and have that joy and excitement with a customer. Go to OlsonSolarEnergy.com and start saving. Go green, save green with Olson Solar Energy. As a dairy farmer, you depend on your milk receiver pump. McFin Technologies of Kenosha introduces the impressive Bowpeller pump. It's quieter, there's lower maintenance, as the seals last much longer than your old milk receiver pump. It offers a more powerful cleaning cycle with higher velocities, and it doesn't degrade the quality of your milk. Ask your dealer for the Bowpeller milk receiver pump, patented by McFenn Technologies, an American company committed to providing a better product for the dairy industry. Sometimes it's not what you say, but how you say it. How are you going to say it now, Stu? Well, I'm going to say it's going to be cloudy, and it doesn't sound much better. Uh, There is going to be some rain developing mid or late afternoon in western Wisconsin, holding off till sundown and after. The further you head to the east, I'm thinking Madison, Beaverdam, Fond du Lac, not seeing that rain until after sundown. Temps in the upper 30s today, and the southeast winds kind of breezy. Oh, a good 10 to 20, there could be some gusts to 35. Cloudy skies, rain tonight, maybe some snowflakes, La Crosse and Mauston. I'd expect nighttime lows in the mid-30s, a, a little cooler in the west, and those east winds will be gusting to 25, 30, even 40 miles per hour. Uh, clouds still around for Wednesday, breezy, a little warmer, up in the low 40s, maybe a mid-40 at Madison, and rain Breezy conditions, of course, and those wind gusts up toward 30 and 35 out of the southeast. By Thursday, a little more likelihood of some rain and snow around the area, and temperatures starting to drop off in the upper 30s. The northwest winds then about 5 to 10, and unfortunately, Pam, Friday and the weekend down to freezing or a little below, you know, 20s for highs on Saturday and Sunday. That means the rain we see, if it doesn't all soak in, it's probably going to turn to ice. Yeah, that is a concern. Slick uh, slick surfaces abound. But probably we're probably going to escape a lot of the wrath of that big power cell that's right over the central plains, hey? Yeah, yeah that, that will head up toward southeast Minnesota from what I'm seeing now and then up into northern Wisconsin. Uh, they're talking southeast Minnesota into central Wisconsin, you know, Wausau, that area. Uh, quite a few more inches of snow blowing, drifting, maybe a turn to ice before it turns to snow, too. So 
just a little further north, it's going to be a lot different. And they're also talking maybe tornadoes and all kinds of craziness that gets spun out of oh. this in the south, too. Yeah, yeah, out in the south of the, the central and southern Mississippi Valley, it's going to be a, a real strong storm. Hmm. Not, a, not a winter storm, a storm. Wow. All right, buddy, clear that throat up. We'll catch you tomorrow. All right, see you then. All right, it's Dumuk, our ag meteorologist, going through puberty with us yet again on a, on a Tuesday morning. All right, we will be talking more this morning with our friend John Heinberg, market advisor, Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend. He'll be catching up with us. Like Stu said, if that rain gauge is still out there and hasn't already gotten frosted, frozen, uh, feel free to always chime in if you get rainfall measurements. Uh, that's 877-301-FARM, the talk text line, 877-301-3276. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. In the field, the right partner can make all the difference. One that's dependable, straightforward, and is there when you need them. That's LG Seeds. From our hybrids and soybean varieties to our service and support, reliability is in everything we do. Start this season right with LG Seeds. Talk to your local dealer or visit lgseeds.com for more information. Nobody knows windows like Wanakee Remodeling. Voted the best window company in Madison 10 years straight, our Renewal by Anderson windows are the most weather-tight, highest quality, and most durable on the market. Make sure you eliminate your old window and door problems. Go with the most trusted name in windows, Renewal by Anderson, from Wanakee Remodeling. You're no stranger to hard work and eating right, but your abs are more like flaps. Carbon World Health offers Emsculpt, an FDA-approved treatment for men who want to transform their physique. One session is equivalent to 20,000 crunches without the painful recovery. Melt fat, build and tone muscle, then start getting the results you're looking for. Emsculpt at Carbon World Health. Learn more at CarbonWorldHealth.com. When it comes to jewelry appraisals, get to know your Denny's jeweler. There's a number of different reasons a person will do appraisals. We just say, bring in everything. It's so fun because it's like when somebody brings that stuff in and they're all excited, then they start thinking about it and where it came from, which is priceless. I'm Pete Denny. Come meet the entire Denny's family at Denny's Jewelers. Since 1995, the Global Positioning System, or GPS, developed by the U.S. military, Here we go. has been operational for civilian use. Please proceed to the highlight Today, the men and women of the Air Force Reserve continue their vital mission, guiding you safely on your way while protecting the freedoms we all enjoy. The United States Air Force Reserve, guiding and protecting America. That squeal you're hearing while you come to a stop? That's your brakes crying for help. At Tom's Auto Center, we offer five-star brake repair on all makes and models. Stop by for a brake fluid and brake inspection. If your brakes are talking to you or screaming for help, we'll diagnose it and give you a written estimate. We want you to be able to trust your brakes. Tom's Auto Center. We're the getter, fix, get done to get you going, guys. Off 
Highway 51 in McFarland, a stone's throw from McDonald's. Trusting someone else enough to pack up your stuff for the big move usually doesn't happen. Our employees are like family and have been with us for a very long time. You can feel comfortable with them packing things up and moving them. This is Brenda from Mad City Moving. We call that the all in the family move. Mad City Moving dominates any move. Their crew will handle your things well like your things deserve to be handled. Online at madcitymoving.com. Mad City Moving. You haven't seen moves like these before. Because of you, someone gets to go home instead of working a double. Because of you, call lights will be answered a little bit faster. Because you are the Bright Star in that facility. Bright Star Medical Staffing is looking for caregivers and nurses. Bright Star believes providing the highest quality temporary staff means better care. It's the reason you got into healthcare in the first place. Be the Bright Star in someone's life. Work with Bright Star. Apply today at brightstarjobs.com. Experienced electricians, come join our family-owned team. Here's Ariel. At EverReady, we are his sponsor for the apprenticeship program. I like the small company feel, that family feel. If you have a problem, you can directly go to the owners firsthand. Speaks a lot about their values and how they value their employees. Competitive wages, great atmosphere, great benefits. Apply at everreadyelectric.net. For all your electrical needs, we are EverReady. Tom Spitz and David Fink of Settlers Bank. We make it easy to access the bankers you know. Bankers who listen to your goals. Then offer expert advice and solutions that simplify even the most complex financial matters. Virtually or in person, we're here when you need us. To learn more, stop by or visit SettlersWI.com. Settlers Bank. Timely decisions. People you know. Member FDIC Equal Housing Lender. Just on paper, if you look at it for who's good and who should win or who should be a favorite in these games, you would imagine that the uh, Green Bay Packers should beat the Rams. One of the two teams between the Commanders and Giants have to lose. Mm -hmm. You would like your chances that the Seahawks lose again. And it's kind of irrelevant what the Lions do since you play them the last week of the season and you got to win out anyways. And if you beat them... Uh, I believe the Packers would jump ahead of the Lions due to tiebreakers. So you're so telling me there's a chance. Say all of that happens, you would have the Seahawks at seven and seven, Packers at six and eight, and then we'll just say for fun that the Giants lose. They're seven, six, and one. Yeah. The, hey, it's not it's on getting the realm re- of possibility. It's getting real. This it. I know it's a long shot. It could happen. All the. Pa- all you got to worry about those the Packers winning out. Yeah, if you take care, if you of take business, one more loss, you're done. If you take care of business, you will already have passed the Lions, so that's irrelevant. And you would technically, after this week, be probably one game behind the Seahawks and one and a half games behind the the Giants with three left to play. Yeah, and it's and it's not like I was looking actually at the uh, schedules moving forward. I actually do think the Lions have the easiest schedule moving forward. But but the Packers can beat them head to head and it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like you look at uh, the commanders and the Giants. I mean, they have some tougher games right now. When you look at the uh, future schedule for the commanders, well, the Giants can't help themselves. They keep losing. They play the Giants. Then they go to San Francisco. Then they have the Browns and then they have the Cowboys. 
So that's not the easiest road for the commanders right there. And then you look at the Giants again. They play the commanders this week, but this Giants team just seems to be a shell of what it was. They're failing. Well, they're running. They ran out of luck, just like the Vikings are running. And their run game is running out of gas. Again, they play at Washington at Minnesota home against the Colts and then at Philly. That ain't that easy of a schedule. No, I mean, look at the the Giants. They just got blown up by the Eagles. Before that, they tied the Commanders. Before that, they lost to the Cowboys. Before that, they lost to the Lions. Before that, uh, then they did get a win against the Texans. <laughs> Who doesn't? And then before they lost to the Seahawks. And here is the Seattle Seahawks schedule remaining. Home against the Niners at Kansas City. Home against the Jets, home against the Rams. That's still three really tough games. Yeah. Like I wouldn't be surprised if the Seahawks went one and three to finish the season. Totally. Like if the Packers run the table, there really is a shot here. Yeah, yeah. And the Seahawks schedule is tough. Like you just said, and they have and the-, the Giants isn't that easy either. No, Packers. The only one, uh, the biggest test will be Miami. They're in Miami against the Dolphins on Christmas Day. You can get a Christmas miracle of Tiny Tim, hopefully. Uh, I mean, Tua, I mean, the Dolphins didn't look that great. They didn't look very good against the uh, Chargers. Yeah, the L.A. Chargers, and the Chargers kind of showed that uh, if you can mix up the blitzes while also being able to run the football and and hold possession of the football, not allow Miami to have much time with the ball, uh, they can beat them. Vikings look like their luck is running out now. I mean, they just got housed by the Lions. Vikings, and it's at Lambeau that you get the Vikings. And then again, the Lions game at the end of the year, but and LA Rams are their DOA. They're dead on arrival when they get to the Lambo. You would think if the Packers went out, I guarantee they go to the playoffs. Love it. There's the rowdy guarantee. Now the biggest problem is they have to win out. Yeah, <laughs> that's the biggest hurdle. If they here. went out, they go I to actually, the playoffs. I actually have a ton of faith where the Seahawks will trip up. The Giants will trip up. The Commanders, I still think they actually make it to the playoffs. I think uh, top to bottom, their roster is a lot better than the New York Giants, and those are the two teams that are tied right now, and they play each other head-to-head. By the way, I, mean, I don't Seahawks know. Just lost to the Panthers. I don't know if you looked at the scheduling, but the Commanders and Giants, remember we actually bet on that two Razor's Edge weeks ago yeah. where they had the 2020 tie and we had the under 40 and a half, so yeah. we cashed that. So that game was two weeks ago. This last Sunday... The Giants had to go play a tough physical Eagles team mm-hmm. while co- the Commanders had a bye. And then the scheduling quirk here is the Commanders and Giants have another game this weekend. So basically, for three weeks, the Commanders would have been getting ready for the New York Giants. <laughs> because the week leading up to their game, all of bye week, and then the week leading up to their next game against the Giants. Yeah, That's three weeks to get ready for the Giants. And the Giants team had to go... Washington, physical Philadelphia, and then Washington. Pam is the name. Farm speak is the game. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Well, you can tell we're right on the line of changing weather conditions that really have already come into play in the Central Plains. Today, we've got about a 70% chance of afternoon showers developing. Daytime highs on this Tuesday, around 38 degrees. Tomorrow, daytime highs around 42 and a 60% chance of light rain. For Thursday, we've got a 50% chance of snow showers developing in the afternoon. Daytime highs around 37 and then cloudy skies on Friday, 34 degrees. 
Speaking of farm speak, don't forget John Heinberg, market advisor, Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend is going to be joining us in just a little bit. So today is the 13th day of December. Let's see. On this day back in 2003, Saddam Hussein was captured. He was found by American forces near Tikrit, Iraq, and they basically took him into custody, handed him over to the interim Iraqi government. They found him guilty. And three years later, he was executed. Saddam Hussein captured on this day back in 2003. Believe it or not, on this day back in 1972, the last human being landed on the moon. It was Apollo 17. It was the last mission of the United States Apollo Lunar Landing Program. And also the sixth and last time humans landed on the moon on this day back in 1972. Boy, a lot of birthdays today. Happy birthday to singer-songwriter Taylor Swift. Happy birthday to the older singer-songwriter Ted Nugent. He's celebrating today. Happy birthday to actor Steve Buscemi. Also, Jamie Foxx. He turns 55 today. And look at that. Dick Van Dyke. From how many different shows and movies? Dick Van Dyke. 97 years young today. Happy birthday. Well, we want to focus in on some policy development that took place over the weekend at the Wisconsin Farmers Union 92nd Annual State Convention. Charity Seebecker was there and visits with their newly reelected president, Darren Von Ruden. The Wisconsin Farmers Union is a member-driven organization that is committed to enhancing the quality of life for family farmers, rural communities, and all people. I'm Charity Seebecker with the Midwest Farm Report. Helping to drive that mission forward is Wisconsin Farmers Union President Darren Von Ruden. He says we are experiencing a rebuilding and re-envisioning of the American food system, and Farmers Union has been on the front lines of those conversations. He is helping to lead the charge on issues like rural infrastructure, meat processing, competitive markets, and much more. He shares more about the goals that he plans to accomplish moving forward. Well, I certainly want to continue our growth in membership. That's uh, something that we've been doing for quite a few years in a row now. But really looking ahead at the, the, the main farm issue that's going to be happening over the next 16 to 18 months is the Farm Bill. And through our Dairy Together program, we're trying to get some different dairy policy and that would have a better structure to keep and, and allow small and medium-sized farmers to stay in the business. And so if we can get that as part of the Farm Bill, that would be a great success. Um, you know, it's something that we've, as an organization, been talking about uh, supply management, growth management, the new terminology now, um, but really trying to get something like that into the Farm Bill so that we have a mechanism that's going forward that will allow us to keep supply and demand in balance. When lobbying for those issues or discussing them with different legislators, what is the feedback or what is that response that you're getting? So, you know, we've been getting a pretty good response, I'd say. Uh, you know, last summer we were out in D.C. and had a conversation with a lot of the Senate and House Aid Committee members, and uh, a lot of them had heard it for the first time but thought it was a good idea. And then certainly looking at the numbers that Dr. Stevenson and Dr. Nicholson came up with um, shows that if we would have had this program as part of the 2014 Farm Bill, which was where it was first put into place. Um, if that would have been in place, we might see another five, 6,000 dairy farmers across the country, and there would be more dollars that are going back into the farm communities that we're trying to keep building. You mentioned membership. How does your membership look now? 
how and what trends are you seeing in members being active in this policy discussion? Yeah, so, you know, we've, uh, we still have a great crew of uh, conventional farmers that are very active, but over the last uh, eight, nine years, we've seen an uptick in membership coming from the community-supported agriculture group. Uh, you know, the farmer's market uh, folks that are producing fruits and vegetables and some meat market folks, uh, but we've all seen a, seen a little bit of an uptick in the last year or so um, with meat processors and looking at that and uh, you know really the pandemic showed us what kind of issue we have with that so um, getting those folks more involved and, and certainly as our members that want to get those animals into slaughtering facilities can't uh, we need to get more capacity there for that. Mm-hmm. How do any political changes affect the approach that the Wisconsin Farmers Union handles policy discussions both statewide but also nationally? Yeah certainly looking at especially the farm bill process uh, which is going to be the probably the biggest issue over the next year and a half or so and and uh, with the change in the in the uh, house there you know there's some talk about the farm bill might not even happen but then you hear the next day that yes it's going to happen because we've got to split congress and let's both get a win on you know one both want to have that win so you know i think we're going to keep our message strong that we want to see some kind of growth management plan um, the structure of agriculture needs to really change uh, the model that we're in right now of getting bigger get out is not good for anybody uh, it's not good for our national security issues so you know we really need to see that structural change and we're going to keep fighting for that what partnerships do you guys have to help share that message to get through that you know yes we need this farm bill we need these policies to be in place yeah so you know working with quite a few different groups around the country um, with a couple of uh, main cooperatives here in the upper midwest their board members have uh, watched the stevenson nicholson report and and are really interested in in trying to um, move their cooperatives towards adopting this type of a program Uh, we also have quite a few um Farm Bureau members that are members of Farmers Union too and believe strongly in a growth management plan and so working with you know members from other organizations is key in trying to make sure that we have a a large enough audience to really get this across the finish line and so you know looking at those national organization National Family Farm Coalition um, Agrimark is another dairy co-op out of the Northeast and of course National Farmers Union is supporting it too. That was Darren Von Ruden, Wisconsin Farmers Union President. You can learn more about his plans for the organization and future initiatives by going to wisconsinfarmersunion.com. From the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Charity Seebecker. My name is Cameron Olson, owner of Olson Solar Energy. It seems like it never fails. I get a customer turned online and their solar is producing. And sure enough, that next month I get a text or an email from that customer or they call into the office even or even come in. They want to show us their bill and say, look, zero dollars. It's always super exciting to be able to be part of that and have that joy and excitement with a customer. Go to OlsonSolarEnergy.com and start saving. Go green, save green with Olson Solar Energy. Well, the dairy complex suffered a little bit yesterday in Chicago. Barrel cheese dropped eight cents down to 187. 40 pound block cheese down three and a half at 206. Double A butter down 11 and a quarter at 270 a pound. This morning, arrows are generally in the up position. Right now, we've got March corn up two and a half at 656. December new crop of next year corn down a half at 596. January soybeans are up five and a half at 1466. November beans up two at 1385. The March wheat is up eight and a half at 763. July new crop up six and a half right now at 774. 
January milk is currently a penny stronger at 1905. February milk also up a penny at 1913 a hundredweight. You know, if you ever want to start a conversation with a farmer, just bring up the weather. It is probably the single most discussed issue in all of agriculture. And I'll tell you what, that's good news for some of the researchers on the UW-Madison campus, like Shane Hubbard. He's a research scientist at the Space Science and Engineering Center on the UW-Madison campus. And his job is paying attention to weather patterns. And he says specifically weather patterns that will impact agriculture. Yeah, La Nina is something that actually impacts the entire globe in some way or another. And it's a, just a change in the water temperature in the Pacific Ocean right along the equator. And right now we're in a below normal, so that's called La Nina. And it has major impacts for the United States. Um, the Pacific Northwest, for example, they get intense rainfalls in the wintertime. They get uh, heavy snowfalls, so you'll hear in the spring about flooding probably. And in Wisconsin, we do have some impacts. Ours are a little bit more minor, but we do have impacts from that. We can sometimes see cooler than average temperatures in the wintertime. And we see warmer falls, actually. And La Nina really only impacts the U.S. between November and April. Bring it on, La Nina. That is Shane Hubbard, a research scientist at the Space Science and Engineering Center on the UW-Madison campus. Maybe La Nina is what's stirring up all the craziness in the Central Plains. Is weather influencing our markets this morning, or what is the market talking about? We're discussing it next with our friend John Heinberg, Market Advisor, Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. In the field, it's good to have a friend you can count on. One that's hardworking, trustworthy, and always shows up. Just like LG Seeds. Our corn hybrids and soybean varieties deliver consistent performance across all your acres, giving you reliable yield you can expect. Start this season right with LG Seeds. Talk to your local dealer or visit lgseeds.com for more information. There goes Pam Yonke across Wisconsin in her suburban truck. Thanks to Cleary Building Corp. They protect what you value. Visit clearybuilding.com to see the Cleary difference. And Wisconsin Farm Bureau, the state's largest general agriculture organization for over 100 years. Join now at wfbf.com. Keep up with Pam at fabulousfarmbabe.net on Facebook and Twitter. Pest control? You've got a guy for that. Car repairs? You probably have a guy for that as well. For someone to custom design a unique piece of jewelry for you, or help your current pieces look sparkling fresh? That needs to be William Thomas Custom Jewelry. Affordable and local. William Thomas Custom Jewelry will help you create a desirable, one-of-a-kind piece that you'll be proud to wear for years to come. William Thomas Custom Jewelry. Your inspiration, your custom jeweler. Rebath started decades ago by two gentlemen who created acrylic forms to cover existing bathtubs. Today, Rebath is a complete bath remodeling company. We replace existing fixtures and totally upgrade your bathroom. Free in-home consultation, free custom design, an affordable new bath in just days, not weeks. Visit our showroom on Stoughton Road or Rebath.com. Rebath, making it easy to love your bath. 
From farm to fork and everything in between, we cover it all. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Oh, what an interesting Tuesday morning it is. And I'm not just talking about the developing weather. I'm also talking about what's going on with our markets. Let's dive in deep. Our man, John Heinberg, Market Advisor with Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend, joining us this morning. Friday was a big uh, USDA uh, supply-demand report. You know, one area that the world's been paying attention to to lately, John, is what's going on with our livestock supply? I think we've talked about this for the past couple of weeks. The big question mark remains, are we going to have enough cattle out there for a five-day slaughter run by this time next year? What's been developing as far as our livestock situation? Well, that trend continues to be in the focus of the marketplace, and uh, there's starting to see a little bit more media buzz about the the tightness that's going to be out there in terms of the cattle supply and the beef supply that we're going to see in 2023. You know, we'll get cattle on feed numbers uh, next week or probably later at the end of this week here again. We're going to continue to see a decline. We're expecting another two to three percent less than last year in terms of cattle in the feedlot. Placement numbers continue to be small. You know, and that's still going to be the concerning side of this all too. Is you know. As we go into next year, where's the cow crop or the cow group going to be in terms of total numbers of breeding herd? How, what's the calf crop going to be? You know, right now we're still seeing a near record level of heifers in the feedlots. And if we start pulling those heifers out, you know, bringing them back into the breeding cycle, that's even going to tighten up the feedlot supply even more so. So it's still going to be a trend that we're going to watch all the way through the year. Obviously, prices are strongly reflecting that at this time frame all the way into the end of 2023. So like, I expect that this you know hold in there as long as the demand stays good now one comp uh, side of that's going to be watched closely what's happening with the competing proteins what's happened with poultry what's happening with the amount of pork that's available you know obviously if we have a tighter economic situation which we're seeing with the inflation and money flow we're going to see people move to some of those cheaper proteins and that could keep at least a lid on some of these beef prices you know that is very interesting though because i just talked to a poultry producer yesterday and they're still dealing with high path avian influenza so they're not out of the woods a lot of different things that are impacting our protein complex very much so and then you still throw in the, the global demand side of the equation and what's going on now with you know china possibly or starting to release some of those covid restrictions does that fire up their demand side of the equation a little bit more uh, we're seeing some issues on both sides of the coin as that is starting to occur you know so that if they come back into the market to be a purchaser of, of proteins as well which that could be a big uh, factor you know they're still strong in the beef side of it they've quickly become one of our top three you know beef importers here uh, but, but now we've missed them out of the pork side of the equation now if they come back there again too that's just going to add more competition for that that global protein base which we just don't have the animals out there like we used to you know just a handful of years ago right right john heinberg market advisor with total farm marketing out of west bends along with us i always want to remind you about their website totalfarmmarketing.com or if you want to pick up the phone and give them a call 800-334-9779 let's pivot a little bit john and i'll focus a bit on what's going on with the grains. Again, that Friday USDA report came out, and they really are kind of taking the hammer to corn. We'd been talking about it. You'd been pointing it out for a while that we're just not price competitive right now. Uh, There's not a lot of corn moving now or looking to move in 2023. Boy, that report did not uh, give any support to the trade. 
No, we did see a 75 million bushel reduction in corn export demand. And we kind of expected that. Actually, I think the market may be anticipating a little bit more. And so it moved carryout numbers back up a little bit in that regard. You know, 75 million bushel is not a big number in terms of the pile. And carryout, though, is still less than we were last year at this time frame. So that's got prices still supported. We're sitting about the 575 window here around the end of the year last year uh, on the, in terms of corn values before things really kind of kicked in with because of the Ukraine and the Russian situation, you know, in the first of February. So, but at the, right now the trend is starting to see bigger supplies. As a second consecutive report, we've seen just some little more corn or going onto the pile, and then we think that trend's going to continue. Again, export inspections yesterday are very lackluster, about 30% behind year-over-year pace, and again the export sales just aren't there. Now maybe China comes back, steps into the market, maybe with the higher prices, they're maybe buying a little bit more hand-to-mouth versus locking in supplies aggressively and i think that could be something that could help us out we need some news i think to really get this core market to try to move again we're not getting it right now and i think the only news out there besides a hidden geopolitical item that we haven't seen yet is going to be weather and at least at this time frame at least globally things are looking pretty decent in terms of south america and the production that we're going to get maybe out of brazil even though we are seeing some issues in argentina which kind of has helped fire up the bean market the last week or so hey let's talk about that bean market because it fell apart at the seams yesterday what happened to all that big demand we had been discussing about biodiesel etc that uh, that ran cold yesterday yeah, the EPA data came out like a week, a couple of weeks ago, and that was just disappointing, and that really smashed that soybean meal market, or excuse me, soybean oil market. Seeing some recovery in that again now. Now the run in our bean market has come from the Argentina weather. They're looking at you know strong uh, drought conditions in that area, some of the worst since 2009, and some of those key growing key regions of Argentina. Temperatures pushing well into the hundreds on a daily basis. They did pick up a little rain over the weekend. I think the market kind of jumped on that. We've seen soybean meal prices explode. They were up $47 a ton last week. So we saw some profit ticking come off of that meal market, and that's what gave us the weakness in beans yesterday. So we'll have to see how things kind of play out. Argentina is the world's largest exporter of soybean meal. 41% of global soybean meal exports come out of that country. So obviously, any reduction in terms of their crop, which the USDA didn't make any changes this week, or this last week's report, but we expect them to come down the road. You know, it's just going to possibly bring more business to already tight bean supply. So that's what we've seen in the strength in beans. Again, the Brazilian beans are still coming. The, their crop looks good. And, you know, to me, it was an opportunity for producers to get some sales in here and, you know, get, the, get those old crop beans moving at good prices. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're eroding pretty quick. All right, John. I know you've got other issues to deal with this morning. I appreciate it. We'll catch up with you next week. Sounds good. Have a great week. John Heinberg, Market Advisor, joining us live this morning with Total Farm Marketing. Again, remember their website, totalfarmmarketing.com, or if you want to email John directly, johnh at totalfarmmarketing.com. He'll get right back to you. Or you can pick up the phone and give any of them a call, 800-334-9779, 800-334-9779. I know that John's got a a sick youngster that he's dealing with this morning. So it seems like between Stu's froggy throat and John's uh, little ones not too well, everybody better be taking care of themselves out there with this changing weather condition that's uh, coming our way. Again, we'll look for temperatures tomorrow, though, that are supposed to be up into the upper 30s, mid-40s. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This is...